This is Karen with newclevelandradio.net, and it's time for Avoid the Maze. Now, Avoid the Maze is designed to show you that we're not going to really avoid it, but we need to know how to maneuver through it. My guest today is Nancy Erickson, and um, I found and met Nancy on a group called podmatch.com, and I so love this group because I wouldn't have gotten to know someone like Nancy if it hadn't been for Podmatch. And what I've been doing for the last year and a half is inviting coaches to be part of this podcast. Because as I asked Nancy before, I said, I'm going to have you tell us how you got to where you are today. And I know that if she's anything like I am, when she was a little girl, she had one vision of who she was going to be. And maybe when she graduated high school, that vision had changed. And you know what? That's okay. And your comment to me, Nancy, was we haven't wasted time because we've used all that knowledge to get us to where we are. So welcome to New Cleveland Radio. And Thank Nancy, you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And give us a little bit of background. Who is Nancy Erickson? Ooh, well, I can tell you. Who, who I am now. <laughs> so I'm an international book coach. Uh, I coach people to write nonfiction books. And then I also own a nonfiction publishing house, Stonebrook Publishing. And we're an award-winning uh, publishing house. We strictly publish nonfiction books. And then our little slice of that is nonfiction that will either save lives, change lives, or transform society. So like you, I get to meet amazing people in my work. And um, I, I'm glad I finally found my way to this seat because this is where I belong and it's extremely satisfying. Now, you know, there once was a time that if you wanted to write a book and you wanted everyone to read it, you had to go through a publisher and maybe you didn't have to, but self-publishing was not something that people did in the 50s, 60s, or 70s. But today, um, everyone has a story, and oh. our stories are important. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that a lot of the people that have come to you that um, have written these nonfiction books, it's based on something that develops into their purpose. Am I correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the, the thing that's so enriching about it, Karen, is that when we're working them through it, it they get even more confirmed in their purpose. And um, yeah, so publishing has changed a lot. Like you said, uh, there's only now four major publishers. It's, it's highly unlikely that you're going to get published by one of those unless you're already a known name. And there's the whole thing about getting an agent and all that kind of stuff. So that has given rise to a number of hybrid publishers like what we are. We are not self-publishers. We are a publishing house, but it's a hybrid publisher where we are way more cooperative with the author in order to produce the product that they want. You lose all kinds of control with the big you know, publishing Absolutely. houses. Yeah. No, you can't decide your cover or your title or anything like that. So um, yeah, so we're filling the gap and uh, people, their voice needs to be heard. And for many people, I tell them, if you want a bigger 
audience, you need a bigger platform. Let's get outside of your little circle and get your message out of you and into the world where it can do its work. Absolutely. And I don't believe when somebody says, I don't have something to share because I have found that uh, since I've been podcasting for the last 10 years, there are a number of people who I have brought onto our shows and they would say, well, who's going to listen to me? Who mm. would even care about my message? Um, and one of those individuals happens to be one of our podcasters, Melinda Smith. She does Heart Mojo. And I met her at a conference and she wasn't speaking, but I overheard her having a conversation with somebody about her experiences in life. And I knew at that point I needed to get to know her better. And she needed to share that mm -hmm. on New Cleveland Radio. And it took her almost a year, okay, of my hounding her saying, but you go out on Facebook and you make, you give these messages. That's wonderful. But now let's integrate those messages so more people can hear it. And it's it's phenomenal how her podcast has grown. So we all do have a story. Yes. Um, but your authors are putting their story out in a non-fictional way. So give me a little bit of background. I mean, how do you do that? Because every time I sit down to write about oh. what I'm feeling, it yeah. becomes either an autobiography or yeah. becomes a novel. Yeah, well, that's a great question because a lot of times when people just sit down and start writing, they ultimately get all tangled up and think, what am I even doing? Because you got a lot of ideas in your head. Right. Getting them down in a in a, a logical framework is a totally different thing. So that's what our process does. So it, it's easy. It's an easy start. We start off with these a list of foundational questions to help you crystallize your message. And it's things like, why are you even doing this? What's your motivation? Who is your audience? Very specifically, how's your audience going to be changed as a result of receiving your message? So there's 12 of these questions and they're pretty introspective. They're not as easy to answer as you think, but when you are finished answering them, we take all your answers and we distill them down into what we call a purpose statement for their book. And it says, the purpose of this book is to do this particular thing for this specific audience, period. And that becomes like the foundation of your book because there's no way you can put your whole life or everything you know in a book. It has to be really targeted so that your message is clear and concise and direct. And that's the best way that people will be able to receive it. So once we do that, Karen, we engage in a process that I developed called book mapping. And that's where a book map is a visual representation of everything that's going to be in your book. And there's two of them. One is the first one is, oh, it's so cleverly called book map one. <laughs> so, uh, it's your personal story. In order to ingratiate yourself to the audience, they need to get to know you. And if they don't know you, they're not going to learn anything about you. So you kind of briefly tell your background story. And then we launch into the chapter book maps. And we always want to approach it from the viewpoint of the reader. What are they needing? What are they looking for? So in order to make that really efficient, 
we construct your chapters in problem solution sets. Here's the problems I had, my readers are likely to have, and then through a very story-driven methodology, you present your solutions. Because how do we learn? We learn through storytelling. Right. And that's also where you can drip more of your story throughout the book so that, that you are woven in from beginning to end and they end up feeling connected to you. And and they they need to, you know, I mean, it's easier maybe to connect with people on social media and that kind of stuff because you're, but in a book, you have to really work at it and use some pretty refined techniques in order to make the reader feel that they know you and, and they um, want to learn from you. Well, and that's something that I think is really important because there's so many people in careers that are going around and they're saying that they feel like an imposter. Yeah. And somebody brought that up to me, oh, a little over a year ago. And they said, you know, why, what gives you the right to be a podcaster? Mm. And I said, it has nothing to do but a right. Okay. It's a, it's a profession that I chose. I had always wanted to be in communications. Uh, when possibly, podcasting started growing. I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this, now's the time to do it. I don't want to wait another 10, 15, 20 years and then say, I missed out. Um, and I said, but I know that I have a story to share, but I know that there are so many other people and I learn through all of my guests. In mm -hmm. fact, I wouldn't have even known about your publishing company if right. I wasn't going out and researching to find out who would be a good guest. Uh, and I know so many of my guests have said, I've written a book. I don't know what to do with it. Hmm. Well, you know what? Let's find something to do with it. Don't keep it tucked away in a drawer because you wrote it. Let's find a way to get that message out. If you have a message that is needed. But it has to be needed by yourself first, I believe. Hmm. You know, you touched on something, this imposter syndrome thing, which is we all seem to be infected with it from with one degree or another. And I, okay, so it kind of goes back to my philosophy of why I'm even doing this at all. And it's this, it's that we have so many problems in our world that it's actually hard to name them, much less solve them. But I believe that the answers are trapped inside of people like you and your listeners. And then when you simply tell your story, what you've been through, what you've overcome, what you've discovered, what you've invented, what you've developed, that you become the source of two things that people can't live without. And those two things are hope and help. And that when you tell your story, that's what you're offering other people, hope that they can go from where they are to somewhere else and help along the way to do that. I mean, it's like you're just, you know, 10 or 20 steps ahead of your where your reader is and you're just reaching back with a helping hand to pull them forward. And all of our books have that element in them, whether they're business books or what I call overcomer books or any other kind of book, they're all intended to offer the reader hope and help. So I've had people ask me a similar question that you referred to. And they're like, you know, who am I to write a book? You know, 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, number one, you're the only one who can do it. You're the only one who's had your life and who's experienced these things. And who are you to keep it to yourself? Why would you go through things that maybe were difficult and that you overcame them and not share it? Because, I mean, that can be the thing that saves lives, changes lives and transforms society. So we do a lot of confidence building because our people are regular. I mean, we're all everyday people. None sure. of us are anything other than a person in a body, right? And we help you along the way. It's a lot of handholding and all. And we, we actually, in the beginning, because we help you to crystallize and craft your message, you're going to gain confidence in it throughout the whole process until it's published. You know, and this is the premise of all coaching, okay, that we're going to lead, but you get to choose how you want to follow. Mm. Um, when <clears throat> I'll, I'll never forget about eight, nine years ago, um, I was seeing a therapist and I was getting frustrated because I'd come in and I was repeating the same thing over and over again. And she would sit there and she'd say, okay, okay, okay. I don't know how many times. And then she'd look at her watch and she'd say, time is up. And I remember getting into my car thinking, I'm paying a $35 copay every week for her to say, okay, okay, okay. And when I asked her the question as, can you guide me in the right direction? Because, and she'd look at me and she said, well, you'll find it. But I wasn't finding it. Yeah. So I came home and I put something out on Facebook that day and said, I don't want to go back to my therapist. I'm searching for something. I think I know what it is. I just need somebody to take my hand. I must have had a thousand responses. Wow. And people were either saying, you know, find a coach or I'm a coach or lots of different things. And other people agreeing that they're in the same frame of mind that I am. Mm -hmm. And I contacted my first coach and I said, I don't know if I can afford you or not, mm -hmm. but I need to do something. And that first phone call, it was free and I got to know who the coach was. It got to know me. And at the end, uh, she said, do you think you're a, that I'm a good fit for you? And I said, well, I feel like we've been friends forever. Mm -hmm. She said, that's how I feel. Yeah. And that was the beginning of my journey and being validated that what I was talking about, what I was looking for was within reach. Mm -hmm. My investment was finding somebody who I could talk to. And it wasn't that she was just saying it to make me happy. And I want my listeners to understand that. She led me, but she let me choose. And I will tell you, I took a number of forks in the road along the way until I got to where I wanted to be. And that's what it appears that you can do for that person who has put that manuscript away in a drawer mm. thinking nobody wants to really read it, mm. but you're going to give them some guidelines 
right and especially book. for those who haven't written the book yet but it's been hammering at them and then they say like 80 percent of people have thought about writing a book well i know why you haven't done it it's because you don't know how you know and so we've really broken it up into tiny little steps that just by being dedicated and and regular at contributing to it you can get it done in a year it takes a year so wow a year to get a book together absolutely so. you know it's so funny well and because we work with a lot of really busy professionals and it has to be chunked in a way that they can actually get it done and commit the time to it but there's also something else at work that's equally as important and it's this it's while you're working on your book your book is working on you and it is going to gather its own energy and come into its own life and things are going to happen that are oh my gosh this is so part of my book and all that kind of stuff and um they, there's a lot of it's kind of a magical process it, you just um it, it's it just opens up a whole new world for you so what made you decide to go into this because i'm sure um when you were in high school or college, this wasn't necessarily on your radar. Well, it was actually kind of on my radar. Okay. I really, I, I was a bookworm reader, hung out in the library all the time, kid. And when I graduated high school, I really wanted to be an investigative reporter. I wanted to, you know, I was kind of nosy. I wanted to snoop around and catch people doing things and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of in the aftermath of, um, oh, what was that Nixon thing called? Anyway, oh, Watergate. <laughs> the Watergate thing, the aftermath of all that. Um, but anyway, um, so I went to school and I studied English, which is a great foundation. And then when I graduated college, there was at that time a real emphasis on finding an employer you could stick with your whole life. Right. And so, and it, it's, it wasn't even aligned with what I like to do, but I ended up, and I was pretty good at other things too, but I ended up getting a job with IBM as a systems engineer. How far away from writing can you get that? I mean, we, <laughs> a similar level programming and, you know, installed yep. these computer systems and stuff and it paid a lot of money, right? So then later in my career, I switched over to Oracle Corporation and was a sales manager there. But, you know, I, I, it can be a trap. I was making several hundred thousand dollars a year and I hated it. Every morning I would wake up with this, like it's collar around my neck. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to go do this again. Yeah. I hated it. So um, as things happen in life, um, I got, I was uh, told my dad was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. And so I quit everything and we knew he'd only live about seven months. So I went down to Florida where my parents were living and to be with them during that time and to help my mother after the transition. And so when I came home, I was like, Oh, what am I going to do now? I'm, I, I don't, I quit my job. <laughs> so I thought oh, now I can write, I would love this. And so I was looking at courses I could take to, to shore myself up. And I thought, well, I've already done those in undergrad. So I ended up going back to school and get a master's degree, a master's of fine arts and writing. In and I'm, I'm in St. Louis. And then I joined the faculty. They asked me to join the faculty when I graduated to teach writing. 
And so I did that. And at the same time, I started Stonebrook Publishing, our publishing house. And so the first book we published was written by a Holocaust survivor who'd gone to school with Anne Frank. And we ended up doing that book release at their school in Amsterdam. And it was like, wow, I'm pinching myself. I'm in right. Europe, you know, doing a book release. The second book we released, we got back cover endorsements from Sir Paul McCartney and Cindy Crawford. And I was like, happy. Like, I mean, that's, those are really big deals in the publishing world. Right, exactly. But the problem was, we were getting a ton of manuscripts that had a seed of what we were looking for, changing lives, saving lives, transform society, but they were so poorly written. We couldn't do anything with it. And so I took a step back. I didn't publish anything for about a year. And I wrote this step-by-step-by-step-by-step process that just starts with your idea. And then at the other end of the spectrum ends with your published book, you know, distributed and beautiful around the world so you know I just you and I talked about this earlier all the experiences I had in big business with big corporations really feeds into my ability to work with high-level executives right. now who are doing it none of that was wasted but I just get this feeling that I could have been a lot happier a lot earlier if I had followed the thing that I was good at. I mean, I was good at English and writing and all. And I, you know, so far, I don't know. I don't know if it was the times or if it was the fact that I'm kind of one of these persons who makes things hard on myself. I don't anymore, but I used to. I'm like, I'm going to do the hard thing, you know, like there's some glory in gutting things out instead of taking the smooth road where you're good at things and then just get better. But, um, so I kind of got into it sideways. And I tell you what, I I am extremely fulfilled and satisfied. I love nothing more than pulling these amazing stories and messages out of people so that they can express themselves fully and reach more people. You know, I've heard a number of things in what you just said. First of all, you work for corporate America. And it's not unusual for any of us who've worked in corporate America to one day wake up and go, this isn't for me anymore. Because I was I was working for a college. Um, I loved I loved what I did, but I didn't like the culture. And it was it was just nagging at me for so long. When my students would walk into my office and we closed the door and we talked about what they were doing and what they had to do. I was exhilarated, but as soon as they walked out and I had to get on the phone, you know, to try to reach somebody who didn't even want to talk to me, it was like, what am I doing? Um, so what I heard you say is that, you know, you had the, these wonderful experiences, you brought them into today's world which is what you needed to do for your business. You took those bits and pieces that work, at least work for you, and now are working for your clients. So nothing you did in the past really was a waste of time. It was just part of the journey. 
And hopefully our listeners are hearing that, knowing that anyone can make a change, but they have to want to. Mm-hmm. There were years and you know that what? I could- And here's the other thing, Karen. I don't think I would have, I wouldn't have had the courage to make the change unless there was a cataclysmic event that's like, and, and then I was like, oh, good. Now I can quit my job. You know? So, yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's, I'm not minimizing at all the courage that it takes to step into something new. And so when I, and I didn't know when I had this desire to now I can write and I'm going to look at some classes. I did not know where that was headed. I had no idea. I had no thought of becoming a publisher or a book coach, but as I got more, I mean, I got to tell you what, the first day I was in class, I felt like I was in heaven. I loved every minute of talking about words and structure and all that kind of stuff. And I loved it so much. I wanted other people to love it. So, you know, through the teaching and the publishing, I um, have had the privilege of really guiding people through an experience that for a lot of people is a bucket list thing. Absolutely. And all you need is somebody to help you. I mean, somebody to get, hold your hand and, and, and take you through the process. Well, and I know when, you know, I made my change, um, I did what I always wanted to do. And like I said, I always wanted to be in broadcasting and it took me about 24 hours to figure it out. Okay. But what do I need to do this? And I didn't even ask myself, who's going to listen to me? Because my thought was, I'm going to put it out there. I'll let friends and family know. And we'll see what they do with it. Um, but I wasn't going to even allow myself to feel badly if they did nothing. Because mm-hmm. after I put out a podcast and I was doing them, just me talking to the world, I was exhilarated for the rest of the day. In fact, my husband used to laugh and say, how do you get the whole house clean in a half hour? Because I was so encouraged and I wanted to come back to my computer and write about my experience. So I think we all have that ability to make changes, but sometimes we don't make them because other people are holding us down. Mm. So if your father hadn't gotten ill, like you said, you probably wouldn't have picked up and quit your job. Um, I'm sure people at your job were telling you how great you were doing what you were doing. And you know what? The paycheck sometimes is something that says to us, Hey, I can't quit. And exactly. That's how, and that's how I felt when I quit, but I was so depressed at that point. I knew I had to, and my fans had my husband and my son sit down and I said, I I can't go back there. And they said, so what are you going to do? I said, I've been blogging for five years. I'm now going to take those blogs. It's going to become a podcast. And my husband looked at me and said, go for it. Yeah. And that's what I tell our listeners. Now you may have to work that full-time job for a while Mm -hmm. while you're writing your book. Mm -hmm. But you know what? If you're doing writing that book and it's what you want to do, well, you're going to be happy even in the morning when you go to work. Yep. So how can my listeners find you? Because I know 
there are a lot out there who have a book sitting right up here. Yeah. Well, I, first of all, I want to say that I love just talking to people about their book ideas. There's no obligation. And so if you want to have a half hour video conference with me, just go to my website. It's thebookprofessor.com. And at the top navigation, there's a link that says schedule a call with Nancy. And I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. There's no obligation. I love talking about your ideas. And we can usually kind of frame things up a little bit and say, you know, this maybe isn't really what your message is. Maybe it's this. Maybe this is what's going to have the most impact. So <clears throat> I would encourage them to go to thebookprofessor.com and schedule a call with me. Well, and I think that is a great uh, choice. And in our show notes, we will have your information there. So nobody has to go running around and trying to remember how did Nancy spell her name? What did she say <laughs> was her her website? Uh, we try to make it as easy as possible. So like I said, I have talked to, um, and I went through this the other day. Uh, so Avoid the Maze has now 250 episodes in wow. just a little over a year. Wow. And that is what has brought me to coaching. So for two, the last two years, I've been asked over and over again, you know, you went back to school, you got your master's, you're a communicator, you've done all these things. Why aren't you coaching? And my first reaction was, who's going to listen to me? Oh, come on. <laughs> a lot of people are obviously listening to you, Karen. Uh, well, but that was my first comment. And yeah. then the comment after that was, shame on me. Mm. Because if I can just help one person, mm. if they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, mm -hmm. hey, I, I've done everything that I've ever wanted to do. So to our listeners, if you've got that book that you don't know how to start, contact Nancy. Um, what a great way to get your story out there that might help me, might help another listener as well. Excellent. Just, I'd love to hear from them. I think this was a great way to start the beginning of the week. Um, you say you're in St. Louis. Is the weather nice in St. Louis right now? Today, oh my gosh, today it's going to be 80 and sunny. And I just, we talked about this earlier. I've I've been waiting to be able to walk out the house without a coat on. And so today's the day. Today's the day. Well, it's not going to be 80 here in the Cleveland area, but it is beautiful. The sun is out. The sky is blue. And um, you know what? It's a good, great day to start something new. So when this goes up and you see um the website check out nancy i appreciate it thank you have so a great much. day take care now